Fantasy Focus! Baseball Podcast! Fantasy Focus! Fantasy Focus! Baseball Podcast! Fantasy Focus! Here are your hosts, Eric Carabell and Tristan Cockroft. They're gonna rock behind the glass with super awesome Kyle Soppy. He loves Chad God. <laughs> Somebody's had too much coffee today. That's uh, Disco Tristan, as he's calling himself a Squadcast name. He's wearing a a disco hat. <laughs> You tweeted it out, Kyle. It's it's hard to believe what Trist- Tristan looks like on today's show with the hair from the late 1970s. And uh, I'm just wearing my Bryce Harper, <laughs> my, my Philly Fanatic. Uh, what's it called? I don't even know what it's called. Bandana. Uh, I guess like a bandana, but like yeah, over your head. Band. Yeah. Like for my hair, which which is now so long that I can braid. Anyway, Tristan's singing there, and it was pretty good. It's uh, Fantasy Focus Baseball, Monday, April 27th, 2020. He is Tristan, singer of songs, winner of leagues, slayer of myriad fantasy fellows. Kyle pushes all the right buttons, handles the research, produces, and uh, he can make the case for Tyler Chowett in the Hall of Fame. And I'm Eric, someone had a host on today's show. More of the same, basically. Baseball reference simulations, which are awesome. And later on, myriad hash browns. And maybe if Tristan can uh, actually do the work, some trivia today. You have a trivia question for us, Tristan? You want to open with that? You want to sing it? What what is trivia? Oh yes, that's great. That gives a good a good chance to sing. Uh, what, which one shall I use today? I... <laughs> you are you're jacked trivia, up today. Trivia, trivia that Eric and Kyle won't know. All right. All right how many cups of coffee have you had? Uh one and three quarters. But they're they're also in the oh darn! I left the Chewbacca mug upstairs. You know, it's almost as tall as this one. You have a Chewbacca so mug. Probably like the equivalent of five and a half cups. Five and a half cups. Well, it's like this big. Okay, they can't see that. I can. I'm, sh- I'm showing you. It's, it's so pretty much the Chewbacca mug is like two cups of coffee stacked on top of each other. Okay, uh, I'll let the listeners do what they want with that. What's uh, what's the trivia question today that we won't know? Okay, so the trivia question today goes to saves, and I would like you guys to name the five active. And that means players who were in spring training camps this year who have at least 200 career saves. The five active in big league camp relief pitchers who have had at least uh, 200 career saves. All right. Was Billy Wagner in anyone's camp this year? I don't think so. (laughs) He could probably literally be Philadelphia's setup man right now. Well. So I'll call the qualifier for that one with the with the spring training camps is one of these guys is was not in a spring training camp and considers himself active and yeah you know, he's <laughs> he is a, a name very well mentioned by you and I on this show but we'll get but to Eric those Gagne guys. all right we'll get to that a little bit later on um, so the Sims uh, so we have a di- couple diamond mine leagues with amazing numbers in there I'm going to break them down for our league a little later Cody Bellinger has 25 home runs in 40 games and is slugging like 1500. In our thirty-team league, they crushed um, my pitching staff too. Man, he—that was, woo. And Sim, woo. He's in. Uh, so that's uh, Diamond Mind. And in our other league, the numbers are starting to look more normal now. Ton of strikeouts, ton of home runs, like they're supposed to be. First month, maybe not so much. In our out of the park uh, baseball twenty-one league. Oh, so listen to this. So 
the Phillies don't have nearly enough pitching. I'm playing out a Phillies season. And I basically just benched Jake Arietta because he's been so bad. But I had injuries. I had to bring him back. So Arietta comes in to start a game. And the first batter hits a pop-up. Deep shortstop, short left field. My best hitter is clearly Didi Gregorius. And he's got like 11 homers in 20 games. Uh, well over 1,000 OPS. Gregorius runs into Andrew McCutcheon. They both get hurt. They both leave the game, first batter of the game. I only have a four-man bench. I'm going with 13 pitchers because the Phillies, I'm lefty-righting to death. And so I lose two of my four bench spots, first batter of the game. Gregorius is out for 244 days. He's done for the season. 240. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's uh, like a significant surgery where questionable for 2021 spring training. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. Right. I mean, like, yeah. so, so now I've got to play like Logan Forsyth every day. Anyway, I lost the game. Arietta only gave up nine runs. Uh, I'm still doing okay. You're doing okay in that league. Steve's doing okay from Steve Gardner, our friend. Um, anyway, lots of good sim stuff. Let's get to the baseball reference sims and see what's new today. And, um, we see the Yankees with the best record in the league, 20 and 9, and the Phillies with the worst at 10 and 18. <laughs> no. So, not not stuff going well there. Um, let's talk about Cleveland, Tristan. Cleveland's in first place, and I think that would be surprising to some people in the Sims. And part of the reason that they are in first place is because Francisco Lindor is just going nuts. Uh, he leads all players with a 2.4 war. And let me get some of his other numbers. He had a three home run game recently which is pretty good. And in terms of actual home runs for the season, now they're about a month in. Fran Mel Reyes, also on Cleveland, leads the league with 12 home runs in 28 games. Lindor has 11. Lindor is batting 328, 11 home runs, two stolen bases. And I guess my question to you is this, and I think it's a reasonable question. Should we be giving, and not just because of the simulations, but should we be giving Francisco Lindor a look in the top tier, the Trout, Acuna, Yelich, Bellinger tier. We all assume that's the top tier for outfielders. Does Lindor, who's the only shortstop there, deserve a spot in that tier? Maybe. I, I feel like he doesn't because the numbers didn't, uh, on, on just a raw basis, if you strip the positions from these players, match those other three. Neither do the projections. So... I, I think any case is going to be that you don't believe shortstop is as deep as I do. And I think you and I do believe it's deep. Uh, for me, he's a very clear four or five. To me, there was, there was no question that he, Cody Bellinger, and to a certain degree, Mookie Betts belonged to that next tier that wasn't a far cry from those guys. And then they're a pretty uh, big step ahead of the next uh, group of players. I just, I don't think he's one of the top three. What, 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 can you make the case for it? I, I think I can. I mean, like, he's not going to. If, all right, so let me put it to you this way. If if Yelich projects for, say, 30 to 35 home runs and 20 to 25 steals, well, so does Lindor, right, to me. Mm-hmm. He projects that the same home run, steals, batting average could be the same, runs scored could be the same. The, the main difference between Lindor and those top four outfielders is runs batted in. He's probably not going – if he leads off, he's not going to knock in 100 runs. Whereas Trout, Yelich, Acuna, Bellinger, they're going to do that. Like Mookie Betts and and Lindor, to me, are you can project the same numbers to some degree. There, I can make I I don't know I and and if one's a shortstop and the other five are outfielders, wouldn't you want the shortstop? Like I don't think I would make the case for Lindor over the big steals. Yelich is probably stealing thirty. I don't know. I, I'm confused. Like 
the fact that he's singing so well just has me thinking maybe I'm missing something. And if that something is that I'm giving up 20 runs batted in, but I'm getting a shortstop, shortstop's not weak. In fact, one can argue if you need only two shortstops to get through a season, you know, between shortstop and middle and five outfielders, that you'd rather pick the outfielder. It's not as deep. But if everybody's zigging to the outfielders, why wouldn't you zig to the shortstop? I, I still feel like, I, I mean, and player rater numbers alone kind of support this, that even with what you're describing about their comparable, and, and I, I think you're doing this from a projection standpoint, Yelich was considerably better than Lindor just using the raw numbers last year. Considerably better. Um, and the RBI do matter. I, I think that, that one of the advantages is not so much assuming that one lineup is substantially better than the others. It's that coupling the, I, I'd say the Brewers is a little bit, little bit stronger lineup top to bottom of the two of them, but it's the ballpark. The ballpark is what's really pushing Yelich up compared to Lindor. The advantage to progressive field is left-handed power. And yeah, that helps Lindor a bit, but it doesn't to the degree that it does for Yelich, where power is great all around. Miller Park is one of the best ballparks for power, extra base hits, all of that. Um, I, I think that, that the lesson to take away here is that I saw Lindor dropping back towards the pack where people were wondering, not even just, is he the number four player? Is, is he only really a borderline first round pick in labor AL? I felt like he was, uh, he was not costing a premium price. He had, he didn't even get close to $40, for example, that did surprise me, which is why I, I made the aggressive push for him. I think this is kind of the reminder that he's still an excellent player, still a very top five cable, and there's nothing wrong in saying that's all he is. Let's move on to the other guy, Framil Reyes, who has 12 home runs in 28 games, and he's batting 263. I guess my concern, if I had one going into the, into the season on Framil, would be batting average. If Framil Reyes hits 40 home runs and bats 263, he is vastly underrated in everyone's rankings. He'd be a top 100 player. In fact, one could argue if Pete Alonso is going to go in round three and Fran Reyes is going to go in round 15, that's just ridiculous. They both should go in like round eight. Now, Alonso's already done it. Alonso's going to be vastly overrated in drafts. But why would why shouldn't I not rank Fran Reyes in my top 100? Like Oakland's Chris Davis, for example, I, I'm guessing last year was a sixth or seventh round pick coming off of three consecutive seasons of 40 home runs and a 247 batting average. If we think Fran Reyes can hit 40 home runs and bat 247, why is he not going in round six or seven? Mm-hmm. Which is fair. Um, in, Re- in Reyes' case, it's a little bit higher chase rate than I'm comfortable with. It's a little bit higher swing strike rate than I'm comfortable with. It kind of breeds inconsistency. And if you want to tie that to the, the, slightly questionable role. I think he is going to play. I, I don't feel like the Indians have an excessive amount of depth at outfield. Of course he's going to play. He's a wretched defender. He's he, a wretched He could be their DH. But there are also other players who might need to slide into DH every once in a while. So I, I, I feel like it, when a player is locked into the DH spot, can you comfortably project them to play 155 plus games out of 162? You rarely see DHs doing this. There are occasionally guys who need to use that spot on other days, and I feel like Reyes should not be in the outfield at all. So there, there are little things I question. I, I think you're on the right track with him being a hundred top 100 capable player, and, and the Alonzo comp is interesting, but I, I, I have some slight questions why, about him being a top 100 lock. Why would I take Joey Gallo over Franmo Reyes? Certainly not five rounds ahead, but why would I even take him at, at all over him? 
the nature of Gallo's game, all power, all fly balls, and the quality of contact is superior to Reyes's. That's the only quality of contact. Gallo's going to strike out two hundred times. Gallo quality might bat two hundred. You, you, but 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 you're talking about the strikeouts. I'm saying the quality of contact. When he makes the contact, the quality is considerably better. All right, I'm going to – if we ever do our rankings again for this season, Framo Reyes is moving up for me, and not because of the sin, but because I've misjudged him. For, I, if, I had a, if I wrote a blog, if anybody wants blogs, if I wrote a blog about five players who could hit 50 home runs in 2021, Framo Reyes is on that list. I mean, Giancarlo Stanton, Valid. Pete Alonso, Gallo probably. You want to see the ballpark, of course. But Valid. that's my point is that – Framel's simming out really well. Giancarlo Stanton right now has 10 home runs and is batting 189. Gallo has 10 home runs and is batting 208. Pete Alonso has 10 home runs and is batting 243. That's that's interesting stuff to me. So anyway, you're, you're, enough of Cleveland. It's it's absolutely valid. You would you would not place any bet on 50 home runs. You're not going to take those odds. Unless the odds are long and it's one of those ones where I'm just throwing a dart, you're not taking those odds. And the simple reason is... 46% ground ball rate. 46% career in his majors and in double and triple A, that's what it was. It's hard for a player who puts the ball on the ground that much to get to 50. But I see your point about the underrated power. Absolutely in full agreement on Fran Mill. All right, let's talk about some other players here that we might have misjudged. And I don't think I misjudged him, but I think you and everybody else is. But since he's a Yankee, I want you to discuss. This is a former guy from Cleveland. You know who I'm getting at. The third baseman, Gio Urshela, who is simming out basically like he did last season. In real life, Gio hit for a high average, hit for power. Maybe he wasn't supposed to, but he did it. Right now, he's hitting 316 with nine home runs in only 22 games. He's not a regular. He's playing most of the time. And last year with with the Yankees, Urshela batted 314 with 21 home runs in 132 games. So he didn't play every day, but he hit for power. He's not gonna, Maybe he's not a 30 home run guy, and maybe he shouldn't be batting 300 because the plate discipline is not there. But Gio Urshela... I'm not saying he's a top 10 third baseman in fantasy, but I think I ranked him much better than you and everybody else because I'm like, well, why can't he do what he did last year again? He, we know he's going to play because his defense is awesome and Miguel Andujar's is not. Why can't Gio Urshela bat 280 with 25 home runs in a full season? It's a very fair question. I think he's capable of doing that. I will ask you, where have you ranked him? Because I'm going to bet that you and I have him closer than we think we do. Uh, he was definitively in my top 250 overall, a definite drafted, uh, draftable player. In you, have him tw- you have him 221 and the number 29 third baseman, which at least you have him ranked. It's better than I thought you would. Let me check mine. Um, but again, mine I'm not sure mine are reflective of what I really think. But, but my um, point being that, that I, I think we're in agreement that he's a definitively draftable player. So I think you and I are probably probably ahead of the industry probably. as a whole. And where do you have him? Yeah. I've got him 156, so I have him 80 spots higher than you, and you do. do. Yes, then you do cons- rank him considerably better than I do. Uh, what I do like about him is, and you know my talk about the gloves, when a player has the defense that's superior to all of his competition, which is absolutely the case between him and Miguel Andujar, that drives playing time. It's the Matt Chapman case, except that, in, you know, Urshel is not Matt Chapman, nor is he anywhere close to that. I have one. It's the Harrison Bader case. Harrison Bader shouldn't be playing, but his glove is so good he has to. Well, Bader's an amazing defender. I think 
Bader's a considerably better defender even than he's like the 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 center field version of of Matt Chapman at third. He just doesn't have anywhere near the offensive skills of Chapman. Urshela is not quite that. I'd say he's a, a a well above average defensive third baseman and a huge upgrade over Miguel Andohar. But Andohar is still present, so there's a slight playing time question. Andohar has to get a bat somewhere. The other thing that bugs me about Urshela, his chase rate's over forty percent. That's pretty bad. For a player who makes contact at the level that he does, why is he swinging at bad pitches? He's a little bit impatient for a player. And off that that two-thirds of a year where he finally showed something offensively, are you ready to lock in that that's the true player? I've got he some strikeouts. out a lot. The strikeouts were fine. I, 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 am I, look, off of one year, no. But I don't want to be the guy that says, like everybody else, he's only done it once. I'm the guy who says, why can't he repeat it? So 275, 280 with 25 homers, yeah, I think that's easily attainable for him. He's going to play. I like him. Um, and the fact that he bats ninth, okay, so I'll never use him in DFS. But in fantasy, the Yankees lineup is deep enough that it's okay. A Yankee, a twin, maybe Boston, if they bat eighth or ninth, they're still going to score plenty of runs. So I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, Let's uh, move on to another defensive-oriented player who's playing well, and nobody's thinking about him. Ender Inciarte, Tristan, has got six stolen bases. I think he leads the league in at-bats, which means he's not walking, but he's playing. And I think a lot of the people were concerned about who the third Atlanta outfielder would be after the obvious two. And I took Inciarte in a couple leagues where I thought he's going to play because of his defense. They do not want Acuna in center field. They want Inciarte there, which means Marquecas wouldn't play. And I think there's a 25 stolen base guy here who can bat 280, 290 like he has in the past. Ender Inciarte is really underrated. And you've been making that case for a while. And another one I'd have a hard time really disputing. Uh, it, the sim is leaning very heavily here. And it's going very much against my comment that is that Nick Marquez, Nick Marquez isn't going to be completely invisible. Nick Marquez has been effectively invisible. <laughs> he started two games and had 27 trips to the plate the whole year. But yeah, he is an underrated guy at NCRT, returning to that. He, he does give you a decent number of steals. He's got all right offensive skills that don't lower his floor. I, and I, I think you paid about the right price for him in the, the spots you got him. I would say, like, as a, if the reason we keep ripping Malik Smith is because people keep taking him in round 12. If you can get NCRT in round 22 as your fifth outfitter and get 25 steals as opposed to Malik stealing 40, that's the bargain that I see there. And NCRT yeah. is a much better player, much better batting average, even a little bit of pop. Um, and and other- you and I have talked about the bargain, guys, for speedsters, that two others were Miles Straw and Roman Quinn. That if you're going to have to take one-dimensional players, I'd rather pay the very low premiums. Well, Quinn just got hurt while you were talking. So I, I don't know if like he can stay healthy long enough to help a fantasy team. And I think the Phillies know that, even though they have no, sh- no center fielder really. But um, you know, it's possible that when Alec Bohm gets called up uh, early next season, he's at third base, Segura is at second, and King removes the center, and there's no Roman Quinn or Adam Hazley. It's just mm-hmm. – and, and I'm not even going to try to project what happens this season because I don't know what's happening. Um, a couple of pitchers I would like to discuss with you. One is Kevin Gosman. I'm looking at the innings pitch leaders for the season so far. And again, every pitcher has made like six starts. But the, the innings pitch leaders, Madison Baumgartner is leading. He has a 0.78 ERA. That's insane. Uh, Rick Porcello, Max Scherzer. Kevin Gosman is fourth right now in innings pitched. And it shouldn't be a surprise that Porcello has the innings. He's an innings eater. The 137 ERA is just crazy. 
But Kevin Gosman's ERA in six outings is 2.25. He has only one win because the Giants are bad and they don't hit. But 44 innings, 44 strikeouts. Great whip, great strikeout rate. Is it finally time for Kevin Gosman to do something now that he's in a good pitcher's park? It's the best chance he's had. Uh, I think what was awkward about the move was the first time in his big league career where his stuff looked like it was locked in uh, was the new role as a reliever for the Reds. And now he's back in – well, now he's not back. He's Now he's in San Francisco and back in the starter's role. So they're kind of going with what we've known doesn't work previously in his career. But he's got a very pitching-friendly ballpark favoring him, and I don't think there's going to be an awful lot of attention or pressure surrounding him. And I think those things could work to his advantage. He actually is one of the pitchers I think is a wise, dirt-cheap investment at the end of – and I'm saying this is more the 12 and 15-team mixed leagues or the NL onlys. But one of those guys I think is a very wise dart throw at the very low price I've been watching for him so far. Was a definite target of mine in Towers. I'm sure he probably was for you as well in labor. That K rate, I'm not sure I buy the K rate from the sim. And by the way, if you're thinking all Giants pitchers are doing well, Johnny Cueto has a 563 ERA – and Jeff Samarja has a 5.59 ERA, and neither of them have any strikeouts. So maybe they had a pitch at Coors and, you know, Gosman didn't. It's just interesting to me that not all the San Francisco pitchers are thriving, just Gosman is, which is a little bit odd. Um, maybe, briefly, maybe neither one is all that great. Well, I agree with that, that Cueto is obviously old. Samarja, to me, shouldn't be this bad, uh, but... Samarja's not that great. No, I, I, know I don't think he's that great. Him. You and I have both seen flashes from him, but he is a wildly inconsistent pitcher, and it has to do with the control and, more importantly, the command, and I question that. I, mm, I'll pass. By the way, I didn't even realize, Jorge Soler has three home runs and is batting 183. Now, he that's a guy who proved himself last season, and he struck out a ton, but it didn't matter. His batting average was fine. If I compared Jorge Soler and Framil Reyes to you, what would you do there? Oh, I kind of like that. Um, yeah, similar free-swinging natures between the two of them. That's a pretty fair comp between the two, and I, I would generally wait and get Reyes on the cheap if I have that that option. Um, what I would ask about the Sim, and he's got 12 walks, granted, Soler does, and 112 PA, so that's a better than 10% walk rate. So they are applying the improvements he made in terms of the discipline of the plate. It's odd to see him with these numbers. Maybe. I, I think maybe in this case, you use three-year averages. Maybe the Sim is using that as opposed to just what happened last year, because he walks. should not be, he's slugging 299. That's just ridiculous. I know. That's the, now, now granted, I, I mean, I've, I've mentioned to you that the Kaufman stadium is a horrible yeah. environment for, uh, for power. So, but then again, Brett, I'm looking at the Royals page. Brett Phillips has six homers, twice as many. I mean, he's Brett Phillips is slugging 506. How's that possible that Phillips is doing that? And so there's not now, again, it, it's a small sample. It's one month. We've seen plenty of times in the past where in real life, a player has a terrible April and then still has an amazing season. Um, so, anyway. Yeah, the walk rate is tracking pretty closely what he's done the, uh, in 2019. And he has it's four steals, which is good. 
So it is, but that's I yeah you know, you know it's the to me I would just say it's the sim that that kind of stuff happens. I mean, come on, you and I, you and I had a league uh, have the league where in the one year I had John Lester, he had a two ninety ERA in reality, and he finished the year with me for a with a five seventy five ERA. Sometimes weird things happen in the sim. That might be the case with Solaire. I like your 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 Reyes. My point is I'm trying to make the case for Fran Reyes against some other one-dimensional sluggers, and I'm going to make it, and I'm going to rank it that way. And if Soler ends up number 95 in my rankings, maybe maybe Fran should be like 110 or just where Soler is. I don't know. That's enough. Um, Let's bring in our friend Kyle now to ask some questions uh, that you people have uh, on Twitter, the Hash Browns, and uh, I'm sure we'll break into some discussions there as well. Yeah, sounds good. Brian was the first one to ask a question. He's got a decision in his league with his first pick in a keeper sort of format. He's got both Martez and Chris Bryant on the board, OBP instead of average. He likes Bryant more than everybody else. He wants you to talk him out of making that decision. If if it's OBP instead of average, you can't go Starling Marte. Like, right, Tristan? Like, I took Star... No, I traded for Starling Marte in Tout Wars in 2019 because I was desperate for stolen bases. And I knew what it would do to my on-base percentage. Like I traded – I don't remember what I traded. I traded a lot of power away. But Marte really hurt me in on-base percentage. He didn't steal enough bases to make a difference. Nobody basically was. Um, I think in, in an on-base percentage league, Chris Bryant would go first there. And then I would take Kettle Marte and then Stolen Marte third. Also, Stolen Marte is 30 now, isn't he? Um, let me look. I, make- I don't I, – I actually – not going to run more. I don't mind the on-base percentage hit if you are extracting maximum value, and that is the steals from Starling, which you're not in this case. If, as as you noted, Brian, you already have speed in your roster, so it's clearly Chris Bryant. I don't know if it's clearly, but my my gut tells me it's that too. I'm trying to very quickly run it through the dollar generator just to see where the three uh, get spit out. I mean, if you think Cattell Marte is going to do that again, then. And, and he's younger. Is he younger than Brian? Brian's not exactly old. Yeah, he's no. I, I believe he is. Well, is he younger than Brian? He's younger than Starling. And Starling's going to be thirty-two later this year. I mean, Brian's already twenty-eight. So, but Brian to me is still in his prime, and he takes so many walks that that's an added benefit to me. This I think it's clearly Chris Bryant. I'm not going to talk you out of it. I'll give you the okay. So I'll give you the three players if I run just a traditional on-base percentage league. The valuation through the custom dollar generator, which, you know, I always talk up. Everybody's got to use that for all of their leagues. Chris Bryant is at $18.95, so he's effectively a $19 player. In an on-base percentage replacing batting average league, Starling Marte is a $15.99 player, so 16 He's $3 cheaper, and Cattell Marte is a $13.96 player, so he's 14 That means he's even... Less valuable, according to this, than Starling. Now, that's just taking the ESPN projections. Eric, I think you and I are more pro Cattell Marte here. But to your point, yeah, our gut, our gut is leaning towards Bryant, and I stick with Bryant seeing that. Okay, no reason to talk him off of it then. Bundy weighs in. He set up his hammock with the nice weather this weekend, and he wants to know what the pros have for a go-to snack or beverage when on said hammock. <laughs> Hard I set, this week. I... I I set my hammocks up um, last week. Um, I haven't really used them. It hasn't been warm enough. But I set them up, and I'm cleaning them. And then, like, a little rodent got into one of them. So I'm really angry about that because, like, I would I have to re, like, you know, like, uh, string it. 
And, you know, obviously I can't do that right now. And, you know, I can't take it anywhere. So I'm, but I don't bring any food outside. I mean, it's outside. Like, you don't have like a nice lemonade or something there with you. I, I, I envision you treating a hammock like most people do sitting. Eric doesn't side. drink anything but water. I, come on, don't you know that? Water works. I mean, Gatorade on a hot. Like if I'm sitting out on a really hot day trying to sweat myself, I uh, I'll bring a Gatorade outside and uh, snacks. Good I mean, like, sometimes I buy grapes, like little apple slices, and take them outside. Um, I don't I don't eat the way a lot of people eat. I mean, I. I eat healthy, but <laughs> what are you suggesting here? <laughs> did I name you? Did I name you there? I didn't say your name. No, you didn't. But <laughs> Disco Tristan. Yes, yes. I don't. I don't eat a big, you know, turkey leg while I'm sitting on my hammock. I don't oh, want to get no, grease no, on, on the hammock. Make a mess. No, 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 no. I don't. Think right. I would, if it was a hammock, I agree with you. I don't think I would eat on it. it it's too messy. You're. You have no control. There's no stability behind you. You'd be spilling everything. But yeah. We agree that it would have to be a beverage with a top and a finger food if you're going to go that route to avoid a mess. Does that sound reasonable? And, and I don't know if I can answer the beverage part of this question. I don't know if it's allowed on a family program. <laughs> no, you're you're of age. You can drink alcohol. What do you mean? I'm, I'm trying to support the local craft adult beverageries around here. Go. So, <laughs> Like that, that, IPA, that IPA place that I took everybody to in Arizona, and I was the only one not drinking. Yeah. Right? You see, Eric is good people for that. He 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 looks out for us, and we we most definitely appreciate that during our trips to Phoenix. All right, let's keep us responsible. If we ever get to go back, <laughs> so well, be the optimist. It'll all get better, and we'll get to go back. There will be. You'll be back there. Landers is coming around to Evan White. He wants to know if you can justify drafting him in a standard ESPN game, and what his ceiling looks like over his next six hundred at bats. Well, here's another guy who I seem to be the only one recommending. Um, I think, obviously, the job is his because he signed the long-term Kingery-type Singleton contract. Um, I think people are wondering whether Evan White can hit for enough power to be a fantasy asset. And didn't I, like on a previous show, I don't remember when, say he could be this year's Christian Walker? 25 homers. Confirmed. Decent batting. Like, I expect he hit – he has not played in triple – well, he played in triple A for like a week in 2018. But last year he was all double A, and that was an extreme pitcher's park, and he had 18 home runs. And I think most of them came on the road, but he held his own. Not a big walker. I don't expect him to bat for a high average. But, like, if you're drafting Christian Walker in round 12, expecting the same season, and Evan White's there in round 23, take Evan White instead. Evan White, in terms of cumulative numbers – should be able to bat 275 with 25 home runs. And I don't think Christian Walker is going to do a whole lot better, if better at all than that. And I was big on Christian Walker. You know, Tristan, I had him on every team last year, fantasy and sim. But to me, Evan White is going um, – he doesn't have to be drafted because in a 10-team standard, you know, there's plenty of first baseman and third – more third baseman than first baseman, frankly. And in a points league, he's not going to be a big walker. Or Christian Walker, but you know what I'm saying. Tristan, do you, you disagree? Just tell me why. No, I don't, actually. Uh, you remember, this came up in labor. Evan White was the first baseman that I was getting late on the cheap. I think he was six, five, six, seven dollars somewhere in that range, and I was pleased with the buy. Uh, to your point about the home roads, 13 of his 18 homers were on the road, 940 OPS compared to 718 in the home games. Um, so, yeah, that he, he is capable when he has a ballpark favoring him. It's not the best one for power in Seattle. I don't think he's a big power player. 
But I think the defense, this is the thing. The scouts trust his defense first as the top skill. The next one is throwing. The next one is base running, which, uh, you know, speed, which I, I find kind of unusual here. And they don't think that either his, you know, his, his hit tool or his power are all that great, but I don't think they look at them as bad. He's, haven't we mentioned John Olerud, like uh, a, a right-handed John Olerud yeah, I in the past, I think? Well, see, like, I don't like that comp because I don't think Evan White's ever going to hit 370. And I think, I, I think uh, defensively fine. After, after, after that point of his career. Yeah, I I just I don't want to I don't want to sell Evan White short for potential power just because he hasn't done it yet. Uh, he hasn't lifted the ball yet. Okay, look at all, all the players last year who all of a sudden lifted the ball like crazy and hit for power. Obviously, the baseball. I don't know what kind of baseball it's going to be. And frankly, you know, I it dawned on me this weekend if they play a fifty game season, they're going to want to use the baseballs from last year to create hype and they can get home runs. So, right? Wouldn't they be more likely to do that in a shortened season where they? I mean, but people are so desperate. In Arizona? Could you imagine if they did that in Arizona with that baseball, the home run note, uh, numbers? Uh, by the way, Evan White, where you said we don't want to, try, uh, to, to assume that he can't hit for power yet, uh, did slash the ground ball rate about 6% when he was in AA last year. That's a pretty decent sign for him that you're right. He might have some uh, ability to grow there. I think the defense locks him into the lineup. And when you get to that point of the first base tiers – Every time I go back to those rankings, I think I have major questions about the playing time and role of everybody else around Evan White. So you're right. There's some safety in taking him at that tier. All right. Jason, new to the show here, wants to know what your ideal fantasy league looks like as far as number of teams, scoring, redraft keeper, dynasty, things like that. I couldn't possibly answer that. I like having a mixture, frankly, of different leagues. I, I don't want to play any two leagues that are exactly the same. So I like having keeper leagues. I like having deeper leagues. I really don't like shallow leagues all that much because, to me, a shallow league, if 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 you go to free agency and there's great players available, that's not fun for me. Then I'm kind of just picking between – like if somebody's – if Madison Bumgarner is sitting there on free agency, that's not fun to me. I, I would like a league where I have to get Evan White, frankly, and Ender Inciarte. So my favorite league is a deeper league, and I still like Roto instead of points. Uh, you know, that's nothing wrong with points. I mean, AJ Mass loves points leagues, and he should. I just – I'm more tuned for the last however many years I've been playing of playing in a Roto league. I like the categories. I think what I don't like about a points league is that you can just ignore stolen bases or ignore saves or ignore, like, categories. And to me, that's not as fun. I want to – I like the f- – that's why I, I like walks in a points league, which is why my perfect roto league would not be batting average. It would be on base over batting average because to me, batting average doesn't tell you anything. On base tells tells you something. How many times you're on base? And on base is king. Batting average is is nothing. Joey Gallo's batting average should not matter. His on base should. So I would take the normal ten categories in roto. I would switch out batting average for on base. I for pitchers, I mean, like, wins is a terrible category. I would say wins becomes innings, saves becomes saves plus holds. Because, to me, the guy who is setting up might be better than the guy who is closing games. And I would, I want them both. You know, I mean, who was, who was, I was just writing this the other day, who had a ton of holds, but he was better than the closer, and his name escapes me. I'm, I'll look at the holds leaders, but... Like there's a value in oh in in rostering Adam Ottavino or Zach Britton. 
They're not maybe not as good as Chapman, but they're better than half the closers in baseball. So let's give them some credit. Yeah, I'm trying to think of that name would be. That um, was a long rant out of me. Yeah, but, and I um, think I think your rant actually uh, identifies that there's no one answer here. I think that there are a lot of ideal fantasy leagues. I love the, the still love the labor and towel wars formats of AL only, NL only, 12 team. And by the way, if people are more comfortable with having more players available on free agency during the year, I have no issue with doing a 10 team AL or NL only league with traditional rosters and doing it roto. Uh, my favorite personal league, actually, well, I have two, but my, my favorite one is a 15 team auction based points league where we do separate starting pitchers and relief pitchers so that you do need to put a weight on saves in those points leagues. You're not going to make up enough points from your relief pitcher spots if you don't get closers, so you have to actually draft them and address it. But that's that's probably my favorite. The other is my keeper league, my 12-team keeper, where we can lock in up to 12 players per year and we have a kind of a, a modified salary cap system. I think there are wrong answers for this. <laughs> I, I do. I, I don't want to criticize any type of league because I know some people like to play certain ones over others. But I, I, I think the ideal – probably the ideal one for somebody just getting started is actually a points league, a mixed, and somewhere in the range of 12 to 15 teams. No, a guy just starting out would want to play a roto league. Don't agree with you at all. Because that's I easier think, I think it's in some ways. I think points is considerably easier than Roto, and that is because you don't have to build any sort of engine for rankings. If you were playing in a Roto League for the first time, you need to rely on somebody else's That's guidance. That's the point. All you, in points leagues, all you have to do is look at the points leaders or the projections and, and then take it from there. To some degree, obviously, you're going to differ with the projections. But you can see the top 100 in points scored in a points league. You can't do yeah. that in Roto. The player no, does I'm not saying. tell you that. Right, that's so, what I'm telling you. It's that points leagues are easier for somebody just getting started. All right. All right, we had a pair of similar questions here. We'll combine them in for the last one. Luke wanted to know, what player did you most enjoy watching in his prime? And Jake wanted to know, who's the best hitter you've ever seen play live? Well, I mean, I'm wearing the jersey of Mike Schmidt right now. I do on every show. And, um, you know, growing up, I didn't get to see a ton of his career. But or I don't remember seeing a ton of his career, but Mike Schmidt, I mean, when I was really like in my formative stages of baseball, Von Hayes was on the Phillies. And I know people are going to say, really, Von Hayes? But Von Hayes was a, a, an underrated player. Like he never did what he was supposed to do. Like he was supposed to, he was traded for five players. But I like when I was playing Little League, I Von Hayes was my batting stance. Um, you know, left-handed batter. He, I thought he would hit for more power than he did. He was a stolen base guy. He was a walker. Yes, I was that kid who took walks in Little League. Von Hayes twice had more than 100 walks in a season. His career on base percentage was 350-something. He had some power. Like, he had 20 home runs a couple years. Obviously, Phillies fans wanted more. But if, if Von Hayes had played his entire career in Cleveland or, you know, in a, in a place that may not have been as mean to him as the Phillies fans, I, you know, maybe he would have done better. But anyway, Schmidt and Steve Carlton, unbelievable players. I didn't get to see enough of their careers. Uh, but Von Hayes, to me, was a guy I, – I can't explain it, Tristan. Like, I just – I loved watching Von Hayes. I would cut out the box scores from games when I was growing up and, like, the covers of Sports Illustrated when that was legit. And I just – I would check the – like, remember, you couldn't watch every game on TV. I would watch every Phillies game. Actually, I, what I loved to do was listen on the radio. And – um 
you know, like, but radio, TV, either way. And then, like, I remember talking to my grandmother about Phillies games. And, I'm, like, I was away at summer camp. And she would, like, send me letters. Like, here's what the Phillies did today. It was That's how I grew up. Yeah. You? The, 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 the point Maddie. about – Yeah. Um, I love the swing. I absolutely love the swing. And the, those four years of his elite prime, I'm sorry, were, were unquestionably Hall of Fame worthy, but they were four years. I'll just be clear on the fact that, by the way, they were four years, but they were Hall of Fame worthy. And four is not going to get it done. So I am not one of those ones who says I think Mattingly needs to go into the Hall of Fame. But I thought that was how exceptional a player he was. And I truly enjoyed watching that. Um, <clears throat> that said, I loved watching Ken Griffey Jr., Absolutely love watching Ken Griffey Jr. He drove me up the wall. That, that 95 division series where I'm watching the replays of those, it's, it's reminding me of just experiencing the 90s watching Ken Griffey Jr. play because you'd see the defense too. And by the way, Mattingly was a great defender too. I, I, I tend to pick players who have a, a defensive component for questions like this. This is why I mention Matt Chapman's name so often is that I enjoy watching him play too. I enjoy watching Nolan Arenado play nowadays. Um, who's the best hitter you've seen play live? I, I feel like there's no one great answer to this question. You and I have seen so many great players over the course of the years that, that none of them stand out. They're, they're not those 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s clear Hall of Famers. The memories I have of the players I watched live that struck me were Miguel Cabrera's hitting ability. I was at his major league debut. I remember the walk-off homer in the 11th inning, hit it into the diamond in center field in one of the most extreme pitchers parks in Pro Player Stadium in 2003. I was incredibly impressed just that first day from him and was every day since when I caught him at games, including, by the way, taking my son, his first baseball game was one where the Yankees got crushed by the Tigers, and it was in large part because of the hitting of Mr. Miguel Cabrera. Do you remember your first game? I, I don't remember mine. I am not sure I do because I suspect the one I'm thinking of was a game in the mid-80s against the Baltimore Orioles, which had a rain delay of one hour. I forced my father to stay there with me. I said, a real baseball fan doesn't leave this game. He wasn't happy about it. The Yankees got obliterated. It was 18-9. to I think they lost. I mentioned Lee Lacey hitting the three homers, I think, didn't I? Yeah. Um, I, I, That's the only one I remember. I remember way back. I remember a John Russell walk-off home run just at the vet, just over the left field wall. And I'm sure I could look it up to see what day it was. That wasn't my first game. But, like, I remember certain games throughout my youth. I don't care about the games that last, like, 15 years. I'm talking about, like, when I was young, my impressionable years. You know, like, I remember an Eagles game at the vet where Eagles blew, like, a 23 nothing lead against Minnesota and Tommy Kramer. And they lost, like, 28-23, like, the biggest, like, comeback ever. Um Anyway, I'll think of more games. I I, I think my half. You got have some other great. You got got to have some other great sports memories. I remember. I I used to. Uh, I made it a, a habit to get to Yankee Stadium every year on my birthday, and if it wasn't on a day they were home, I'd make sure it was the very next game after that. And there was a game. I think it was in '88 where Jack Clark hit two homers for the only two Yankee runs, and John Candelaria threw like a absolute gem shutout. <laughs> I'm sure I remember – I was not at the game. I mean, the Von Hayes two-homer in the first inning game against the Mets I watched on TV where they – remember they beat the Mets like 23-5 to five or something like that? Yeah. They scored like yeah. 10 runs in the first inning. Mark Simon has tweeted about that one. Um, but I was, I was watching that one on TV. I don't remember the exact score of the game. What is, at any point in your life, the most memorable baseball game you've ever attended in person? Uh, I, I don't know. 
I, I, the Phillies won 26 to 7. That was June of 85. Um, the most memorable baseball game I've attended in person. I mean, I know the football game. I was at the Fog Bowl in Chicago on New Year's Eve okay. in 88 or 89. Yep. Um, but I don't, most memorable baseball, I got to think about it. I, was ne- I don't think I've ever seen a no hitter. I mean, I I've been to all star games and, you know, World Series games. So, like, I can't, I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I got to think. Know, you know that I would love to be at a 20 plus inning baseball game. I'd love to do you that. You left early. No, I've never had a chance at a 20 inning game. I that was a Cardinals game where I was doing an event in St. Louis and I think it was either 16 it might have gotten into 18 but it was at 16 innings and after it, the 10th or 11th we had to go because my ride had to get somewhere and I watched the end of it at the hotel I remember afterwards. Um I, the first one that comes to mind for me is the 2000 ALCS game against Seattle where I thought the Mariners had the Yankees in that series. And David Justice hits the home run off of Arthur Rhodes. And you and I, we have a friend who hates every time I bring up that game. <laughs> I love reminiscing. Um, I'll probably, I'll think about it for the next show, the best baseball game of my youth, not recently or anything. But um, I mean, I, I don't know, I maybe go through ticket stubs and try to figure it out. I mean, I wasn't at the Steve Jeltz two homer game. I watched it on TV. That's the day that the, the Pirates announced that Jim Rooker had to walk back to Pittsburgh. For charity, I I don't know. I'll think about it. You remember <laughs> that, that game, right? One. Yes, I do. That was a good one. Oh, all right. Probably can we get the trivia answer. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Um, all right. What was the all question? Right, so let's repeat the question here. There are five active pitchers, and by active here, we're going to take they were in a spring training camp this year who have at least two hundred career saves. There is a sixth one who is a free agent this year. Calls himself active. You can name him if you want. Friend of ours for this one because we mentioned him so many times. <laughs> Rodney? Fernando Rodney's the, the free agent, yes. Yeah. Oh, the five who are active in spring training camps who have at least 200 career saves. I've got uh, the obvious ones. Yeah. I've got Kimbrell, Jansen, and Chapman, who I think are all obvious lock answers. Three for three. Okay. Well, this is where it gets ugly because I didn't have any other options. I thought maybe Melanson, but I don't think he's a good enough pitcher. Melanson has 194 I, saves. Yeah. I think one of them is Greg Holland. Greg Holland has 206. Yeah, I just made it. Because if you think of Royals, I was thinking about like Wade, like they've had a lot of saves over the years because they never score runs. They win their games <laughs> three to two. So like, like I was thinking Wade Davis, Greg Holland, um, Soria, like guys like that. Who? Soria? Soria has, has two hundred saves. He has two. Wow, we got there. That's all fun. Saves, yeah. Yeah, he he saved a bunch of games for the Royals in in like obscurity before they were good. Peak. Yeah, his peak. He had to have half those in what two or three seasons. He, he had, had a couple, at least 40 a forty saves. something saves here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was gonna say I I thought of Melanson. I, I thought of Asuna. Um, Cody Allen saved way too many games for Cleveland over the years. 153. But there's just not a lot of guys who have been – it's hard for these guys to do this for so long. I mean, Kimbrell Jansen and Chapman have been for a decade. It's rare that that happens. It really is, which is here's why these a, guys make poor keepers. Here's a peripheral question for you guys. Which of these pitchers has more career saves, David Robertson or Trevor Rosenthal? See, that's a good Rosenthal. question. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, it's a trick question, but it's, it, I don't think Rosenthal has that many saves. I would say it's Robertson. But, like, Zach Britton saved a lot of games for Baltimore. He, his, he, his, came to mind, his name came to mind for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to keep the role for that long, too, not just pitch, you know? Like, yep. So yeah, the answer to that question is that Robertson has 137 saves and Trevor Rosenthal has 121 saves. And by the way, to your point about Zach Britton, David Robertson has only eight fewer saves than Zach Britton. Because the role didn't last long enough, you know? Like, it, you can only get so many saves in five or whatever seasons. Well, like, the Phillies' record for saves is a guy who I will not name on the show. <laughs> and you know who I'm talking about. I can't stand this guy. And, and if he's listening, good for you. I can't stand you. But <laughs> just to give it away, he the Phillies had him for a couple of years. He, he, was a, he was not a good teammate. He got traded to Washington for Nick Pavetta. And then he tried to he tried to strangle Bryce Harper, but um, who I do like now. I didn't like him so much in Washington. But the Phillies record, he broke the record of I think Jose Mesa. That's like, what Jose I thought. Jose Mesa, Mesa was in three seasons, in, in like two or three seasons, had the Phillies record for saves. Whereas guys like Tug McGraw and Ron Reed, who they had for like eight years or nine years during like the primes, like they didn't get more than like twenty saves a year. There weren't a lot of saves back then, but. See, that's why I don't like saves. Like, this guy should not have the Phillies record. I can't wait for somebody, and I don't know who it's going to be. It's not going to be Hector Neris, obviously. But you know who I'm talking about, right? I know. I know exactly who you were talking about. You know I'm not a fan. I will not name him on this show, but you can easily look him up. And he's retired, I assume. But um, anyway, that's all. We're done. Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) Right? Yes, that was fun. It was I mean, fun. what else are we going to talk about? And that that record is 123. So Mesa, Steve Bedrosian, who somehow won a Cy Young because they, they didn't want to give it to anyone else. Mitch they Williams didn't want to give it to an 16 Nolan Ryan. That's why. And Nolan Ryan never won a Cy Young. Did he, and he finished second? Did he ever finish second in the Cy Young vote? I think he might have that year. So in that year, Nolan Ryan was eight and sixteen, I believe, and I think he led the league in ERA and had like two hundred fifty strikeouts. So he was clearly the best pitcher. With and by the way, if you look on his, his teammate Bob Nepper, I think was sixteen and eight or sixteen and seven, and had a four something ERA. I, yeah, Ryan finished second um, in seventy three, and he finished third three times. Top five, like six times. Yeah, he, he can't win. He can't win the Cy Young at eight and sixteen. You can win it like Degrom and Felix Fernandez did, but you can't win it like that. I, yeah, I, oh, that on, was eight and first, That was the first time I realized that the voting for awards and specifically Cy awful. Young was unfair. It's awful. The voting. It's better now because people are smarter. The, the sports writers are smarter. But some of the voting for Cy Young, for MVP, for Rookie in the past, and by the way, Hall of Fame. You, you mentioned it earlier in the show, and I was going to interrupt. Like, some of the people, I'm not saying who's in the, if you're in the Hall of Fame, good for you. This is not a Harold Baines argument. But the fact is that we, we say a player is only great because they make it in, whereas, like, Lance Berkman and Kenny Lofton were great players. They didn't get a sniff of the Hall of Fame, but so what? They're still great players. They're better than Jim Rice, better than Baines, but they're not in the Hall of Fame. So, Evans, Bernie Williams, Jorge Posada. There, there are a lot of very, you know, Lou great Whitaker, players. Bobby Gritch. Like, it's a joke that these guys are not getting Hall of Fame. Dick Allen, I, I hope Dick Allen gets in this year. He's supposed to be on the uh, veterans ballot. And Mike Schmidt is pining for him. And he should. Dick Allen deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Who cares if he was a nice guy to everybody or the media or, the you know, 
a good clubhouse guy. He he hit. He hit the baseball. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my rant for the day. We're done. Thank you so much for listening to our little show, The Fantasy Focus Baseball. For Tristan, who is wearing his crazy wig, you can check it out on Twitter. Uh, Kyle sent it out, and I retweeted it, and the comments are fun. And uh, oh, for no. Kyle Soppy, who does an awesome job and will be very busy this week for football, so will Tristan and I. I am Eric Caraba. Please have an awesome week.